and welcome back to Rupture Radio, a weekly look at politics, news and culture from a, a socialist perspective. This week, we're coming to you live from Connolly Books, Ireland's actually existing socialist bookshop uh, um, in Temple Bar, uh, recording in person for only the, the, the second time. Um, thanks to Connolly Books for letting us record here for, for one night only. They have buried the ice picks uh, um, and that is the that's the, that's the first of many awkward jokes from me. Um, we, we were hoping to do this in front of a, a, as a live event in front of a sellout crowd, but due to COVID, it's just the usual crowd of sellouts instead. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, so I'm joined tonight by Paul the Murph Murphy. Hello. Uh, uh, Dave, no relation, Murphy. Hello. <laughs> Nicole, anti-red scare, McCarthy. Hello. Special guest, Connor, always ready. How are you? <laughs> There we go. All right. I'm done. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the usual uh, focus of looking at the news of the week or the events of the week, I was thinking that since we're near the end of the year, uh, um, that we could take a bit of a look back over the, the year that was uh, um, our, our Spotify wrapped, our COVID wrapped episode. Uh, um, uh, uh, maybe looking at some of the lessons from the year, some of the lessons from the, the fight against COVID so far. Uh, um, but maybe, first of all, on a bit of a lighter note, maybe what are the, the, the positives? What were the, the changes? What were the, the, the COVID changes, the changes in culture that we've had over the last 21 months that people would like to see kept post-COVID? Well, one of the biggest positives for me is that we have finally a new uh, small talk topic and um, we're no longer just talking about the weather it's uh something to talk to strangers about and now that we're all a lot more lacking in social skills i think it can be uh helpful to have a something to guaranteed conversation starter for us all something new to complain about <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um i mean one of my biggest negatives is definitely the decline in everyone's social skills and how we don't know how to speak to each other in person anymore uh, <laughs> yeah, I was doing a just a stall, you know, handing out leaflets, getting talking to people, and like recently, and you're like, oh shit, I've I've forgotten how to talk to people, yeah. <laughs> people that I end up like I've talked to you lot, and people that like are already socialists, but I've sort of lost that skill of like actually like conversing with an ordinary person about politics. Like it, it doesn't bode well for this episode that we're doing in person, like you know, <laughs> yeah. not, like, we're all just staring awkwardly. Please, actually, raise, yeah. please raise your yellow hand. Um, uh, yeah, and but Paul, what would you, is there any positives well, from I, I, changes I, that you'd like to see I kept? actually think that um, a lot of the positives that existed, and obviously the main thing is the horrendous impact of COVID, but even I think a lot of the positives that existed in the first six months or nine months of COVID, of people spending more time with their families, of people enjoying nature more, I think a lot of them were actually kind of grabbed back by the capitalist class in this year. Like in our local park, we went for a lot of walks in our local park during the first year and it'd be packed. Mm. And this year, that's just gone like. Um, and I think it's because like people aren't like locked down at home. They're like forced to work. They were dragged back into the workplace or even if they're not in the workplace, they're working at home, but they're like heavily surveilled by their employer. They don't have the time and space. So I certainly in my life, like I, I only find... The negatives now, you know. Oh, I so have much all... for starting with the positives. Aren't <laughs> yeah. 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 There were positives, you know, but I, I just in my own life now, I just have all the stresses of regular work, and then I don't have social 
outlets and stuff. Um, so yeah, sorry for being One such a downer. For me, would be that people actually stay home when they're sick now, or like oh, cautious of that. Yeah. So I was thinking of myself going into work with a cold for years. I'd be sneezing and blowing my nose and coughing the whole way in on the bus, not thinking about because like you'd want to be nearly on death's door to take a day off when you're working in a corporation like that. You know what I mean? You, you, you have you'd to feel guilty really for like, staying yeah, at home. Like exactly, it. exactly. So the change in that I think has been a real positive that. I think we'll stay around and, and actually is still a positive even now a few months later. I, I still use the, the part. You still wash your the hands, dude. <laughs> <laughs> in favour of that game. Like. <laughs> I still use the I still go, find myself using parks out and going outdoors and going for walks a lot more than I would have before, like, you know. Um, so anyway, okay. Yeah. I also think walks. in terms of like, uh, there's a lot more people cycling as well and it, like that's also a big positive you know getting people out like there was a stage during the pandemic where you couldn't get a bike for love nor money in the country so you know it's another positive sign people are doing outdoorsy things in general and it got my my brother of who's 39 I think uh, um started cooking for the first for the first proper time like <laughs> um, 39 in, years into his life because he, he had to he ended up having to uh, quarantine for like two not quarantine quarantine like at home for two weeks and like he said he decided that he couldn't just do takeaway for two weeks so and I think that that was a broader thing as well I think people got more into cooking and baking and stuff like that everything bought their air fryers anyway that was definitely, <laughs> definitely <laughs> on the little middle oil yeah yeah <laughs> Um, that and the antigen tests um, <laughs> strangers not sitting beside you on public transport is another one yeah if we could keep oh, that that'd never, be great yeah. but that's gone like I know oh absolutely yeah, yeah no you're that, right yeah but no yeah. but it's weird now that you don't just sit down beside someone like you know you walk around you're looking for the empty seat like, yeah. like I would have usually done that but then when you're sitting down beside someone you're like almost apologetic like you know yeah it's like you're picking your victim to sit <laughs> yeah. beside you one arse cheek on the yeah. seat <laughs> 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 don't have covers. <laughs> the thing that I don't understand is why is it when I, I go on a bus that Somebody has always closed the windows on the bus. Like, like I was the only one with the window open on the bus in. There was people around me with no masks on. I was like, come on. Do people not pay attention and understand what's still going on? They sticker on them, which says keep the window yeah. open. Like, I don't know. It's well, just... like, even before COVID, I would have opened the window because you can see people's like air vapor on the yeah, fucking windows and shit. Like we're all sitting on each other's lip. Like why wouldn't you want fresh air <laughs> in that situation? You already have a jacket on. Like you were walking to the bus stop. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't get why people are so opposed to having a window open it's also like we were just in a restaurant and it was packed and there was loads of windows that would have been perfect to open you know the ones that just open a little bit like mm-hmm. outwards it wouldn't have been and every single one was closed and like I stood up to try and open it and just wasn't just opening like you know that's just because you've been bought off by big air like big ventilation the amount of emails we receive into the office from people trying to sell us so you should say what office now. though oh yeah into Paul Murphy's doll office uh, people are like I hear you love ventilation Paul here's our latest model <laughs> um. I'd, uh, anything else? What were the other, like, over the past 21 months uh, lockdown, was there any other highlights for people? Um, what, what do you think? Have people seen any good, like, artistic reflections on lockdown? Or will I just rant about Bo Barnum's inside? Has anybody else seen Bo Barnum's no, inside? I just go out these comedian guy that did. I watched 15 minutes of it. It was terrible. Oh, <laughs> you're so wrong. You're so wrong. <laughs> Seriously, it's one of the worst I, things I've ever watched. Oh my God. Split. I'm actually surprised at the amount of shows and stuff that have been produced that don't address COVID. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. like, I think it's they too all just soon, pretend though. like it's yeah. not happening. Like, I was watching the, like, Sex and the City remake that they've done and they talk about COVID and I was like, look at you, it's being cutting edge, fucking getting in there before. What did you make else. of it? I mean, I didn't think it was terrible. 
it was very predictable what was going to happen. But I think it was more of the spirit of the original series as well, rather than the movies. And I didn't really like the movies as much. And so. to, are we allowed to break the end of the first episode? Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler. The, the company of the exercise yeah, machine yeah, yeah, yeah. gone off. Oh my God, that, yeah. That, 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 he, that he has a heart attack on. I know, <laughs> Their yeah. stock started like Peloton. falling. Like, oh yeah, my yeah. God. <laughs> they're 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 in real life. Yeah, in real life. Like she was so slow to react. She didn't call an ambulance. She just fucking, yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I was like, turn the shower off and call someone the, for fuck's sake. The company got a doctor to say, well, look, he lived a lifestyle where he was eating steak. <laughs> 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 fuck well, it's not anymore. It's like, and just like that, I think. Yeah, just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was appalling. But did I, I did. I did, I did not like it. Were you a fan of the original series? I did, but I think there's some things that are just best left in the past. Yeah, it was I mean? cutting like, edge and stuff at the time to talk about women having sex and stuff. And yeah. now it's just like. And then it's true. Like when you look back at it, it was like, it was an entirely white, entirely middle class. They never addressed how yeah. well off they all were. There was problems in it. But yeah. it's like, if you just leave it in the past, in the museum, then you can sort of like enjoy it. Whereas... Like one know. of those Disney films that thing comes up now where it's like, this may have cultural references yeah, that are yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. anymore. Like my favourite film as a child was Aladdin. Uh, like apparently Aladdin is just part of like the war on terror fucking narrative. <laughs> 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 anyway, so Bo Burnham's yeah, inside yeah, is phenomenal. Like, <laughs> 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 it's the worst thing started. So like 90% of stuff um, that's Terrible. tried to talk yeah. about COVID and lockdown has been, it's too soon. The, like the, it hasn't been good. It's been like, a lot of the stuff has not just Bo been, Burnham, not Bo Burnham's inside. <laughs> it is genuinely like the best comedy of our time. But anyway, I won't, <laughs> I'm alone on the panel and nobody else has watched it. So I won't, I won't go into it. There'll be loads of listeners though, Keen, who will agree with you, I'm sure. I'm sure, yeah. Right in. Do you remember the old PO boxes? Yeah, cheers. That's, that's how I applied to join the social party actually. Yeah, yeah. Posted off a little, yeah, to the PO yeah, box. I, I did the that was when, when PVP were doing text to join so yeah, yeah. we're still doing PO box sorry just another little positive for me I don't know if this happened in other people's areas but in my area the last two Christmases I don't know what it has to do with COVID maybe because people are in their areas more they have like the community has like bought these Christmas lights that yeah, they're wrapping around yeah, yeah. all the trees. Oh, that's nice. How beautiful is that? It's so nice. And then they appeared again this year. And I don't know, it's kind of like a little sense of community or something. Some, that's I, a nice positive. That wasn't in my, but I was talking to um, a guy that lives in Ballybrack in Dunleary and their whole community during lockdown came together. And like every Friday night, they had a different, band come in and play music outside on the yeah, street like bingos and stuff like yeah. that as well yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could hear the other estates doing it but my road yeah. didn't do no, anything like that <laughs> all the neighbours come out into the corner you know it was all socially distanced like you know like till half eleven yeah. and then like I'd be out the back like or whatever and I'd hear singing you know and well, then, like, everybody oh. else went out the front and you just went out the back. I was just sitting around Shut drinking, up. like, I don't drink, like, so I was just like, oh, hell yeah, uh, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. That's fair so, enough. And then, and then, like, four hours later, they're all on top of each other singing rebel songs. <laughs> 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 the social distance basically <laughs> d- 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 generates over like hour by hour by, that, by like, the point. That's like, like, yeah. actually what happens, like, you know? There's also working from home. We haven't discussed that yet and what people think of it. For me, 
it's kind of like what Paul was saying. What was initially positive is now taken away. Like it was the best thing ever to sit in my pajamas all day and fucking chill yeah, around yeah. the house. But now it's actually slowly turning me into a potato. And I really want to go back to the <laughs> office. I'm just, well, I'm just you, talking to people. You hadn't been working from home, Connor. You were because you were no, working yeah. on the front lines. You were one uh, of our I don't know about heroes. the front lines. I had, um, yeah, had about three or four weeks at the start. So I enjoyed the novelty of it for a while. And then I was back to the lab. So yeah, a lot of this experience I've missed out on. To be honest, I'm kind of glad. Because um, it does seem quite, kind of horrifying, like being watched all day long, that kind of thing. I don't know. Not for me. Yeah. I saw something great the other day, a video. There's a thing you can buy online to keep your mouse moving. <laughs> so that if they're tracking Stop. your mouse movements and you're like, you've gone off for a long lunch or whatever, <laughs> it's just like, you put your mouse on this box thing and you plug the box thing into the thing and it just moves it like the back and forth. Like, you know. Do you remember when Homer got in Simpsons just, got yeah. that job? Yeah. that job and he had the little duck guy yeah. that just yeah. pressed the button. Yeah. Yeah. The Simpsons predicted our future yet oh again. Oh God, yeah. They're so good at that. Was there, did they ever predict COVID? Did they ever, did they ever have any... Oh, no, I'm no. sure there would have been a, a video conspiracy theory video made. That's true. That's true. But come here on the Christmas lights, did you see Gemma O'Darty going around saying that all the Christmas lights on trees were like Luciferian? She did a video walk around giving out about fucking Christmas lights. Like, oh no my way. god, what's like, Luciferian about them? Just I, I don't know, I didn't watch it. Like, I saw the headline, she's going around giving out about them, saying they're something to do with. Satan or something. That's right. Speaking, speaking of headlines, <laughs> did you see the, the Indo, the like the Indo going out after Mary Lou McDonald now? Uh, um there's many things to give out about Mary Lou McDonald, but one of them is not that she was signing Christmas cards in the doll. Yeah. Did you see that headline? Yeah, just yeah. surreal, like well, you know, just make it up. So, so they had a video of her in the doll just signing Christmas cards while she was sitting there listening like on to the doll. on behalf of Sinn Fein or her no, own no, personal the, the point Christmas isn't, cards? I don't know what the, <laughs> yeah. That's not the point. The point is, the point is just the, like, that she wasn't like paying undiluted yeah. attention to Matty McGrath questioning Matty the t-shirt. Oh, she was in the chain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ah, that's a bit Multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, but when I went to watch, obviously you're not allowed now, but when I was allowed in the public gallery for... Um, I was going to say for COVID, for abortion rights, uh, when they were debating that in the doll, I was shocked at the amount of them that just sit there on their phone. So blatantly, I just can't believe it. Like it. It's just so boring, guys. Come on. <laughs> but like, I think people have a view, which is fair enough, that like TD should be in the doll the whole time debating stuff, but it's not really how it works. Like, do you know what I mean? You're doing a multiple different things at once and like one part of it is being in there, putting your position or whatever. But like, yeah, if I'm in there, I'm doing other work, like as well as listening. I'm capable of multitasking. I'm signing my mean? Christmas like, cards too. Grand, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah but like it's not like worth, li- like you're yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, the point of what you're actually doing. Like, like, like a doll Fina Fowler gets up like, you know, and he's just talking like crap about whatever. You've yeah. already asked a question on it and then like you're expected to give this guy your whole attention while he talks like rubbish like there's a reason why you're Oculus TV is that like top viewer numbers like you know, it's not that entertaining but in, in segueing then nicely to the world of politics in terms of political uh, um, what was the obviously the number one topic of the year politically was COVID I, I don't know what's the lessons from the year in terms of the, the year that was the COVID wrapped year I mean they're obviously disastrous handling of a pandemic again um caused by basically triangulating between the public health advice, the best science, and on the other hand, business interests and the private lobbying that happens again and again and again, and then that they 
kind of very happily concede to. I did see there was a poll recently, the poll where Sinn Féin did very well in. Actually, the majority of people thought that the government did an okay job of handling the pandemic. And I think that's because if you compare us to the other English language speaking countries in the Northern Hemisphere yeah, of the yeah. US and Britain, like they're two of the worst countries in the entire world. So people look at them and think, Jesus. And we that's where we that get bad. our media and our news from as well. Yeah, like, you, know, you don't hear the news from New Zealand exactly. or Japan or whatever. So I, I think that's like why, but at the same time, I do think people are critical of the government. Um, I mean, I think the main, obviously loads of mistakes were made, but the top ones to look at are the schools, the abandoning the contact tracing schools. Can we do this as a countdown? We can. <laughs> From five to one, no. Well, I heard, I heard, I heard them. Um, that's a big one. Um, and, and at the time, I really think, I have to go back and check the doll record, but I think it was only us who was clear at the time that this is a mistake, as opposed to maybe asking some questions about it. We were like, this is a disaster. It's going to be a disaster. It's going to lead to disaster. The, the way they reopened the schools in September? The, the way they abandoned contact tracing. Uh-huh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, because they said, oh, sure, we can't just have people out of school the whole time. Because they were suggesting that if you contact trace, you have to take people out of school, as opposed to, no, you can trace, you can test, and if people test negative quickly, you can let them back in school, and you can keep testing them, mm-hmm. and then if they taste negative, if they taste test positive, they can come out. So that was a disaster, and linked to that was the whole mantra of schools are safe, schools are safe, which again, I think we were the only ones who were consistently saying, that's bogus, there's no evidence for that whatsoever. And that was tough like anytime you yeah. asked a question about oh what about COVID in schools it was like it was like you had just said COVID is a hoax or whatever you were attacked as if we yes. all know everybody yeah. says schools are and safe and it's like you go on the, the answer will be you was always going on about the public health advice this is the public health advice we have that the schools are safe etc even though like no scientific basis whatsoever and then I'd say just to give the, the maybe the top kind of overarching issue which obviously there has been good public attention on recently is is treating COVID as if it's primarily spread by people touching surfaces or hands as opposed to being spread in an airborne way and therefore ventilation being key. And I think like some of the journalists asked me about this the other day, I was like, why are they, why are they so slow on it? Why aren't they? And the only explanation you, you can really find, I think, is that again, to do with it for businesses would cost money. It's cheaper to have hand sanitizer than to recognize the science and in some cases install HEPA filters or other systems or whatever. It may involve like construction work. I think that they just didn't want to go there. And so they left all that in the area of kind of guidance and optional stuff. But at some and, point, the penny has to drop here. I like, know. I mean, we're two years in now, or probably two years further down the line, it'll still be here. Like at some point, that investment's going to have to be made. Otherwise, we're stuck in this loop. So I don't understand yeah. it on that level if that's if yeah. they've realised what it means long term. Also, if they were to implement it and it was to be successful and help lower COVID numbers, they'd come out as the heroes. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like why, why not take this easy yeah. option for yourself? Like, you know what I mean? They're so like, short-termist, like, you know? I you can say you- the same about climate, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, yeah. well, they should recognize the science and not like have our whole planet uninhabitable. You know, we say there's no jobs on a dead planet. There's no profit on a dead planet either. But yeah. like, they're a short, they're so short term, it's like, yeah. you know? That point really hit home for us We started all. the year in... So in, in January, as, as is traditional. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I wish we hadn't, though. Should we just jump straight to June? But uh, but we started the year and you had all the, the, the what was that, second, third wave, whatever. You had that new wave of Delta uh, um, and you had the 
the focus uh, like from their left on the the zero covid and the fact that like the policy that they hadn't been following that they, that they refused to follow a zero covid policy and um, that instead they were following this living with living, living with covid thing um and what looking back at that in retrospect now because obviously the, the government now say oh well you're not talking about zero covid anymore uh, yeah. Uh, um yeah well like not only did they refuse to implement zero covid they like made fun of it Mm. It was like it was this joke, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And Paul was speaking this like fairy tale story talking about it when like it was, we could see examples of it in New Zealand, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's just yeah. a, I suppose Then their argument technique. is, well, New Zealand has dropped zero COVID mm-hmm, now as well. Mm-hmm. What do people answer to that? Well, I mean, they've dropped the idea of elimination because I guess it's like the revolution dies in isolation. That was the way it worked, I think. There needed mm-hmm. to be a guiding light, I don't, think, don't somewhere let, else. Don't let our Connolly Books yeah. fans. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think it needed a positive case uh, that wasn't New Zealand or Australia, that wasn't that kind of Anglophone, Northern Hemisphere, like he needed. I think if Ireland had adopted it at that stage and we had the success that New Zealand or Australia enjoyed, it probably would have been a very different outcome across Europe and possibly the world. Um, but at this stage, I think the horse has bolted and uh, there's still elements of zero COVID that I think are worth chasing down. Mm. Uh, not Maybe not elimination, but certainly deep suppression and control, I think is the, still the only game in town the only way that we get around the vaccine question too which we might touch on later mm. but is there not also just a point that like the vac like zero covid was on the tip of our tongues at, at that time when we were six months out of away from mass vaccination mm. the vaccines were like promised but they were on the horizon but they yeah. weren't there and that i think the vaccines do change the game a bit that like with mass vaccination in a sense you can survive with controllable numbers of COVID. You don't need zero. You can have a, a yeah. small number of, of cases. Like, and even if you look at New Zealand now, okay, they don't have zero COVID, but their number of cases is like very, very, very small. Or Japan's case numbers is very, very small. But I guess the, at the global level, if you have got that suppression in places mm-hmm. like Ireland that can do it and that have Could the resources it. to do it, it makes it easier then to roll out a global vaccination campaign and I guess work things at that level. That's the thing again with short-term thinking and uh, th- 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 these types of points are lost. Uh, I think it would have been far more equitable for Ireland and other countries to follow that sort of model and leave the limited supply at the time of vaccine at that stage to uh, countries that weren't so well equipped to uh, to, to 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 pursue uh, suppression or and anything what, like what's it. going on? So fill us in. Uh, there was a, what's the state of play on that in terms of global vaccination? Uh, and how still we... abysmal. I think we're further away from where we need to be than we've ever been. Really, um, like Europe is the real last holdout. The European Union, uh, France, actually, who initially supported the idea of a. Uh, patent waiver have uh, backtracked on that and now you have uh, France and Macron talking about the need to kind of protect innovation the pharmaceutical sure. industry that kind of thing so did, he dis- did he discover some big pharma based in France now or I'm sure he has <laughs> I'm sure there's some so, some gears <laughs> turning some there the, yeah. the headquarters the Paris or something yeah so, something like that I'm sure I th- like because I think I think everybody knows that there's this problem that like the global south is not vaccinated has very very low levels of vaccination and I think that's getting more focus but the role of patents in blocking that isn't so clear and like if you listen to Neil Martin and all he says oh yeah we think that they that's should get vaccines like. and we want to we're donating 10 vaccines to Africa and <laughs> well, <laughs> but tell us a bit like what is the 
What's the role that patents play in, in blocking uh, uh, the rollout of vaccines? Well, first of all, just on that idea of donating vaccines, they're actually not donating vaccines. They're promising to donate vaccines uh-huh. and then not delivering them. So it's a co-vax initiative that we're always hearing about and all these promised vaccinations. They're not actually going to the countries that need them. When they are, they're generally short shelf life, kind of end of uh, their expiration dates. Like I think last month, Nigeria got... Uh, yeah, the deals, the special deals. Something, something like that. Vaccines. Yeah, yeah, the ones that I are like yellow, yellow stickers. Sticker and, on yeah. <laughs> So uh, it's really scraping the bottom of the barrel and not really delivering what's promised. But uh, yeah, patents, there is a massive manufacturing capacity that exists uh, in a lot of the global south that could be used uh, fairly easily to manufacture vaccines at scale uh, and provide them locally. So there wouldn't be a need for this reliance on uh, supply chains from the global north, manufacturing in Europe or America. You could do it locally uh, and provide uh, at that level. Um, Sensible argument, uh, I think. And uh, yeah, it's well made at this stage. I mean, I think the government very consciously confuses the issue because you, they, they don't want to stand up in the dollar in public and be like, no, no, we, we want to protect pharmaceutical companies' profits today and into the future. And we're willing to let tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people die to protect that. And we're willing to take the risk for more and more dangerous variants. They don't want to make that argument publicly. Mm. So instead... Yeah, I think the media advisor would be against that. Appreciate your commitment, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, so I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. We've got a new answer from Leo Varadkar, who's the relevant trade minister uh, during the week. And he said on the key point, I have an open mind on the alternative suggestion of a TRIPS waiver. I have always said that if we receive a WTO proposal in writing, we will look at it. That has not happened yet. Right? There's so much there that's completely nonsense, right? So one thing is a WTO proposal in writing. WTO agrees things. If they got a WTO proposal in writing... It was already done. It's like, done. It's yeah. great. They have to do it. They don't, can't consider it. They have received in writing motions to the WTO to propose a TRIPS waiver and the EU there has voted against uh, it, has blocked it even getting that far. But the second thing, the idea that the government has an open mind on the alternative suggestion, the Irish government is one of the strongest advocates within the European Union. It's all closed door mm-hmm. meetings, so it's not publicly minuted, but those who are in the know say the Irish government, and it makes sense in terms of the pharmaceutical industry here, the way the Irish government just bends over backwards for tech, for data centers, for pharmaceuticals. They're, they're crucial people within the European Union who are saying, no, we have to block this TRIPS waiver. And there's only three holdouts on the TRIPS waiver. There's the EU, there's Britain and Switzerland. And if if Ireland was to change its position, it would have a significant impact within the EU Mm. together with campaigns in other countries. And then you'd be only looking at Britain and Switzerland. It has to be be anybody. Anyone can block it. That's the problem. Well, like the thing about the vaccines that like annoys me the most is like, it's like all the wealthy countries should give, like it's this idea that you don't go after the patents. Instead, you go after all the wealthy countries should buy them and then, and then send them to like the global South. And it's like, well, no, like it's actual control of like the, the patent. And I think like this time last year, maybe everybody, when there was a vaccine on the horizon, everybody was talking about like the process by which vaccines are created, like, and like all the public money that goes into creating a vaccine, yeah. like all these companies. I think it was $8 billion yeah. that went to the top three manufacturers. Yeah, in the US, like they had Operation Warp Speed or whatever yeah. they called it, where they gave $10 billion to all these uh, companies. You'd, you'd, you'd miss the time when Trump was in charge. They come up with like Star Wars sounding names. And is there any kind of like rumours of figures of what kind of profits these companies yes. are making on the vaccines? So, uh, 
uh, Oxfam have some quite interesting figures and they've broken it down and they estimate, I think, that uh, Pfizer, Moderna and BioNTech together, based on their sales figures and the cost of manufacturing, are making $1,000 every single second Holy of profit shit. on the vaccine. So, on the vaccine. On the vaccine. So, so from our Patreon supporters. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and like, if, if you look at like wow. the, the thing, like, so all these companies say that like, they're great innovators and this is the big argument, but like they actually like, like that, there was a, a figure there saying that like um, 66% of all spending on health research is publicly funded yeah, yeah. and that like these companies actually spend less on research and developments. They look for these evergreen type drugs mm-hmm. and that they actually spend like more on uh, more on like, advertising they do in research yeah. Yeah. Well, why would they spend their money on research if they're going to get government grants for it like, exactly. they're it's just being clever business I suppose <laughs> It's the risky stuff that happens at that public level as well. Like in universities is where the real innovation happens. And a lot of R&D spending in pharma is actually, yeah, as you said, evergreening small, inconsequential modifications to existing drugs to extend their patent life. Which is basically where you, you get evergreening, just explain it, is what you have an existing drug yeah, that's running you, out of patent yeah. you switch something that doesn't make any real difference to no it difference but then you get to extend function, the patent yeah. and you still advertise it and you still okay yeah. can you can the generic make the untweaked version uh, in some cases no no because you'll market it under the same kind of name and branding and all the rest so there won't be that much but, of it but, but like like it's kind of like neoliberalism of the health system essentially health and like uh, like they're basically privatizing like public research like um so like in colleges and universities there's research going on that we pay for makes breakthroughs or there's like basic research that leads to a breakthrough down the line and then these companies come along and go oh yeah we'll take that and then they patent it and then they're like like some of the drugs like that they do like people remember like drugs for AIDS and HIV and like there's all there's every, I think one around cystic fibrosis like where they're charging like yeah, or can be yeah, yeah like they're charging like mm, tens of thousands yeah, yeah. every go like you mm. know um, but what's really frustrating I think as someone who works in science is that there's no other road to develop if you have if you uh-huh. if you have an innovative idea and you're chasing down some new treatment for uh, life limiting or life threatening disease you can't go your own way you can't turn you can't to just the do it in your basement like no you really can't you have to sell it on and you're probably selling it to someone and there's no even guarantee that it'll ever be delivered like there's a a secondary kind of step where the company decides whether or not it's profitable to bring a drug to market. So there's all manner of drugs that could be used to treat all manner of diseases that just aren't actually brought to market or developed because it's not it's not viable financially uh, for pharma companies to do that. So that's another big crutch, I think, to capitalist pharma. But th- this is the issue. Like like right now, we're living in fear. Uh, um, we have the of the the Omicron variant, uh, um, and like you're watching, you're reading one latest research that comes out that says it's shit, one latest research, the next one says, oh, maybe it's not so shit. And you're, but this is because, or a big part of this is because whilst people in the West have been largely vaccinated um, in South Africa, not just South Africa, but in like loads of countries, um, there's hugely unvaccinated populations. And like it's in those unvaccinated populations that you're most likely to have passing around and, and variants developing. And then that, the fear or the danger then is that then spreads worldwide like I mean basically my understanding is what every time it jumps from one person to another there's a chance of it mutating Absolutely, yeah so the con- there's constant stream of mutations only some of them are go- actually going to be useful uh, so I guess it's a numbers game the more people that are susceptible to infection the more likelihood there is of something that's novel and actually gives the virus an advantage uh, probability that increases so like the longer we leave the vaccination situation uh, unaddressed the greater the possibility there is for something novel and dangerous to happen and I just said how long do you think like like so from like your background like and 
mutations or whatever. How long do you think this is going to go on for? I don't think <laughs> it's... That's an unfair question, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it'll qualify to answer that one. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Uh, Connor said, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I was looking at the other day, the NHS, they're planning for 10 years worth of being able to test within the health system. So like, I don't think it's ever going to go away. There'll be some years where it's really bad and some years where it's not so bad. And um, is this how the I flu... I you didn't you know, ask like, that question have... now, Dave. 10 years is a terrifying <laughs> figure. But is this like how the flu... <laughs> happen did the flu happen once and and then like we, we now because the flu is there and we get it every year and it comes around new variants is this like a new flu and then at some years point on? in some species yeah. probably yeah. Uh, yeah 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 that's bleak that's yeah. bleak thanks for that I had to pay five ninety five for an antigen test earlier I was shocked but is that how much the general... That's not what Varadkar well, said. No, There's this whole thing whereby they, they said we were pushing there should be free antigen tests, free antigen tests like there is in the NHS. Then they were like, oh no, no, we'll, we'll just have like, we'll make sure that a reasonable price. And then after a while, they were asked, Stephen Donnelly said in the media, was like, well, we're really great news, great news. The market sorted itself out. And because basically Lidl sells them for cheap, but obviously... Loads of places don't sell them for cheap. Other and retailers are available. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, Stephen Donnelly's had a terrible pandemic, hasn't he? Oh. <laughs> you know, he's had a bad one, like, you know? Like, he's just so many car crashes, like... Yeah, like, like, they, like they must be holding that breath every time he goes on TV. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's he got? Like, Martin <laughs> hasn't appeared... With him, with him, really, for a year. Oh, that's you interesting. Haven't done a oh. press conference ever, even though he's minister for health. You, when he had uh-huh, these big yeah. press Thank conferences, you. he should be one of them up there. But they haven't appeared together. Like, yeah. And wasn't that a thing in your in who's Gavin Riley's book as well? He says that like December last year, they Richard just stopped, Chambers book. Richard Chambers book was one of them. Says that they just like stopped talking, communicating at all. Like you know, but, yeah. Must just, just roll about. him out on slow news days just to make something happen. Like yeah. <laughs> get totally like, on the telly there. The man is he's getting his money's worth from that like business management course that he did. Like you know, he's <laughs> ju- he's just like corporate speak. Yeah, yeah. So like just bullshit every night. Yeah, you'd want to have a bit of a fall like to figure him out. Like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. like oh, we got this new bright young thing. Two weeks later, they're like, this guy's a bit. <laughs> just keep saying the same spiel. The latest thing, actually, right, is like I, I called him out on something else. This yeah. is, last week he said that um he said they're not doing HEPA filters in schools because it's not the advice of AMRIC, uh, which is a particular group which is antimicrobial resistance, right? So they're not really doing ventilation. And then the presenters, this is two, both Sarah McInerney and Claire Byrne on radio, both asked along these lines and they're like, well, the expert group on ventilation said we should have HEPA filters and this organization, that organization. And he's like, well, yes, but the experts who are advising us, AMRIC, no, they're saying it. So I, I, I did a parliamentary question promoted actually by someone who contacted me on Twitter so thanks for that um, uh, if you're listening uh, you, know, you, know, you know who you are um, uh, and I, I said oh could you publish the the report uh-huh. from, from Amrit the advice and the advice and it's clear from the answer he didn't get any advice yeah. saying not to use HEPA filters it's just completely bogus he was just re- he just like he just lied like you know it's really classic like yeah but I'm coming here from this week like the, the main thing like in the, well in the last week the storm like and then like they had to close the schools down on the second day in Dublin and everyone was saying it's because like they, with a strong breeze they couldn't like guarantee to keep the windows open for the ventilation so they, they shut <laughs> for the second day like you know what what is going on there like I saw an op not an op-ed an editorial in the examiner which had like was saying that this was all like uh, by Kieran 
Keenan, Keenan Brennan, Keenan Brennan. Who's, who's normally quite progressive yeah, and, exactly, like, and stuff, like yeah. sensible and tuned yeah. in and they were saying like this is all like conspiratorial kind of stuff like you know anybody have any insights no, as to no, what was going on there what was the article what's conspiratorial they, they shouldn't have the school they shouldn't have the school the second day the second day in Dublin oh it was actually a lobbying by the school teachers to get another day off I heard just from being out that day like in Tallinn, this week, was this week we're not just from a soldier's perspective, we also have a Fine Gael perspective. <laughs> there, was, there was loads of trees and debris down. Like, so, yeah. like, I think the idea that you're going to send, like, they're like going, Oh, well, look, the the orange warning stopped at 7 a.m. Yeah. But, like, yeah, but there was crap all over the ground. Like, and they're like, it's like that every kid gets dropped to the school gate in a car. Like, no, and kids was there walk. Not stuff like, before? There, would have been, there would have been injuries, I think. I remember that there was a thing before where, like, oh, they opened the schools the second day, and then there was out, there was, like, there was a principal on the radio giving out because they went into their school at like and 8 a.m. And the school was, was like, panjacks, and yeah. it's like all the students are about to arrive in an hour, and yeah. you've got like a tree. Yeah, in I, the I science think, lab I mean, or whatever. like abundance of, ca- of yeah, caution yeah. I think it's grand I, I think a journalist did contact me who was doing a story I don't know if it's appearing or not who she did think that it was linked to COVID um, in the sense that she thought that they didn't in, in rooms where they're just relying on the windows being open to deal with COVID as opposed to also having filtration systems like HEPA filters that basically they thought they wouldn't be able to keep the, the windows open. The other thing that I thought is also may have been a factor is like, you know, in a number of countries now they're closing schools early for Christmas and staying closed for longer to try and be a bit of a break on the spread of COVID in schools. That is possible that like it was a little bit of a factor for normophobia or the people to be like, oh, we can get closed for an extra day here without admitting that schools are a place of transmission. So you couldn't rule that out being a factor. Like Lots of kids getting grand. blown out the window you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe Yard would have been interesting that day yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about like the lessons from COVID what we could take from it in terms of both nationally we have seen how uh, government policy has been restricted and held back by big business lobbying but also globally that they have uh failed to, to distribute uh, the, the the patents to distribute the recipes for uh, vaccines internationally because of the, the pressure from from big pharma but i think that is a lot of like lessons for us in terms of the fight against climate change down the road in the in the years ahead both in terms of like that they will concede and concede again to pressure from big business they, they may have in their head oh well we really should do something about climate change but then when that comes into conflict with the 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 particular interests of like big businesses in their own country uh, that they'll water it down too little too late but then also globally like we've seen vaccine nationalism and I think you're starting to see like climate nationalism of like every country says oh well we'll take action once that country takes action uh, um, and I don't know doesn't in my mind anyway it does not bode well for uh, for the future in terms of climate change you know well yeah doesn't bode well for the future for the capacity of capitalism to deal with climate change I, I do but sure not to be disagreeable but you don't even need COVID for that you know what I mean you just look at COP26 like um, and just Greta Thunberg blah 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 like all the right noises in a way all the noises obviously not actually the right noises but saying how serious you are and so on but then in terms of what they actually sign up for they're all about 2 degrees 2 degrees sorry 1.5 1.5 1.5 and then they sign up for what amounts to like over 3.5 uh, degrees of warming I think so it's just yeah <laughs> They're not They've serious. Been we need to take power out of their COVID. hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's before I was born. Yeah. Been, they've been talking about t- tackling climate change. Um, uh, so, any other takeaways from the the year? Maybe what's going to be the impact politically of this all? What's happening 
Uh, what, how does this rubber beat the road in terms of politics in Ireland? I don't know. I think there's probably more hopeful things going on at the minute. Oh, like, thank God, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn in a corner here. Mr. Ten Years yeah. of COVID over there. Look, I still have to redeem myself for that one. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm looking at the minute at stuff that's happening in the North and that's uh, offering a lot of hope. Like, there have been, I think there were three different strikes in Derry last week and across the North you had the uh, college lecturers at UCU on strike. You have... Uh, a uh, threatened strike from Tesco workers at the minute. Uh, stuff brewing uh, with Tesco workers around Christmas time. I'm not sure how that's panned out yet, but it seems that there's a bit of a strike wave happening. Um, and uh, I think that's that's really, really encouraging. And on the back of actual victories, like the Hovis workers uh, and I guess the buses and anti-sectarian action that's taken there, that's, that's inspiring. And that's something that I think could catch here. Uh, you look at the background of inflation the way it is and housing the way it is. I think there is an anger there, regardless of what, what, what kind of the bureaucracy do there is an anger that they won't keep a lid on for too long and hopefully what, was it it was Radker or Martin that when asked about like energy price inflation essentially said workers should go demanding wage increases like yeah. he was asked like was, what was, are you going to do about the fact that there's such Radker said well I see public sector there's reasonable wage increases and in some sections of the private sector there's good wage increases and I, I think there should be across the private sector it's quite mm-hmm. interesting God, he's and there isn't a variety strike wave in, you know? in the yeah. south <laughs> I mean because in, in the US they, they, I'm presuming it's just the left or whatever but called October strike October uh-huh. because there was a wage like a, a wave of worker struggles and and. I, I was briefly in America and you could see like the wage pressure just visibly. Mm. You have all these companies advertising $20 an hour for kind of entry level yeah, yeah. jobs because they're, you know what I mean? They, they have to try and get people back to work and they have to try and, and so there is a real wage pressure and then people are able to organize mm. and in the context of inflation. And I do think you could see it coming here. Like something interesting here. They is, just unionized the Starbucks as well. In, in, so I saw in, that. In yeah, as well, I saw that. Brilliant to see. Um, but here the most it, one of the interesting things recently in terms of the unions was the in, in the south where the Tesco workers were organized in mandate is um, there well, was the a supermarkets are available hmm <laughs> it's a callback that he got there I didn't hear any of it just like blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, so I'd be interested if the listeners can decipher that um, where ma- mandate workers they, a very bad deal was negotiated which involved losing the Sunday premium um, worsen of the pension conditions uh, entrenching the multiple tier kind of wage scale and workers voted 88% against it very striking and actually are beginning to get organized on a rank and file level uh, there and the same kind of things are happening in some kind of semi-state workers as well so I do things you have the beginnings of the indications mm. that I hear and you had like the Dublin bus workers were out yeah. a yeah. few months back and voted massively against the bad deal as well 97% yeah. I think 97% yeah. Yeah, yeah. wow that's that's you'd, you'd look at, that's what we want in Dublin's out west now in the next election 97% vote for Paul Murphy <laughs> um, but I, I think like against all that background you've also seen like you know like in very commas, desire for change, like in terms of like when we think um from the start of COVID was a few weeks after the last general election. And you've seen like in like the last year, like this, like, you know, Sinn Féin change type thing, like where Sinn Féin, like in the last opinion poll the other day, are up to like 35%. And then you have Fine Gael trying to outdo like Fianna Fáil with a collapse. They're both down now at 20%, whereas previously mm-hmm. Fine Gael had like, seemed relatively more competent in terms mm. of dealing with COVID but now like people are like well look sure they're, they're about the same so you're seeing like the political like like people looking for like something that's not Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael like and I do think that that puts on the agenda like the demands that we're making for like well a government that excludes Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael mm. like, and that puts the question up to Sinn Féin 
to like really like rule them out like but um it becomes like, real like it's yeah. it's like it's clearly something that's being talked about even in the establishment circles they're starting to get prepared and i heard like it was on, I think it was on the Irish Times podcast or something. They were saying how oh, there's many officials in the high officials in the Department of Housing that have back channels to uh, Ono Bryn, Sinn Féin, spokesperson, and th- that they're starting to like build up those relationships. Davey Cullinan is meeting the Hospital Consultants Association the other day yeah, and telling yeah. them they could still practice private medicine in private hospitals. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was a thing about the corporation tax where like, um, Pierce Doherty was saying, yeah. like, you know, like, you didn't fight hard enough, you know, and you didn't fight hard yeah. enough for the 12 and a half percent. Oh, but it was, no, it was, it was, it was, it was a uh, classic. It was this trying to say both things at yes. the one time. Yeah. He was trying to, like, not say that they should have fought hard enough, but they should have, well, it's a defeat of the government policy because the government said that they were going to fight for 12 and a half percent, but they didn't yeah. do it enough. So he was trying to pretend like he wasn't saying that they should have fought harder, but he was sort of like, oh, I don't know. Just trying to speak out of both sides. Yeah, of like, so, 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 at some somewhere, someone somebody made the point like that, like, like it's Sinn Fein talking to the establishment in terms of like, like ordinary people hear Sinn Fein when they talk about we'll solve the housing crisis, but like they generally don't hear them when they're saying mm-hmm. we'll look after big business type thing. And it's that like, like it, it is what's going to like smack them in the face, like. At the next general election, I think they're probably taking all the wrong lessons from this as well. Like I seen in that poll that you mentioned, um, it was interesting seeing like the AB social class. So I think that's like professionals and like uh, wealthier people, middle class people. They're polling at like twenty seven percent or something. They've got this fascination with doing well, middle class people. You've seen it kind of in the Dublin based out by election. And I think that they somehow link the sort of moderation, these types of policies, and drawn closer to the centre with that success. So without a counter pressure, I think it, it's it's only travelling in one direction and yeah I heard rumours that the the people who a- attend the K club and stuff like that have come to the acceptance that Sinn Féin is going to be <laughs> in government next <laughs> yeah. which I thought was a really interesting thought I, 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 but then I, I, I also thought of the you know the way like some people like to vote in a way that they know their vote is going to go towards something they don't want to vote if they don't think their vote is going to count and who they're going for is not going to be successful so I wonder if there's a bit of that involved as well I know I mean Fianna Fáil Fine have to begin to reckon with the fact that they may well be both, they could be out of government and Sinn Féin could be leading the next government. Like, and that is a major change in terms of politics. Like, We obviously understand that, look, Sinn Féin is committed to managing the capitalist system and therefore they're going to come up against all the obstacles of that. But it does mean it's this like, you could see the next election having a real dynamic of big turnouts for working class people, young people. This is our chance. This is our chance to end 100 years of Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael rule, which is why I do think PVP's slogan of break the cycle, fight for a left government, with eco-socialist policies, it can really, it can actually catch on. Mm. And, and Sinn Féin can be, I think we, we can fight them on their left, you know, mm. because as they're moving to their right to kind of triangulate to, to the centre to get these, like, to say to the K-Club people, don't worry, it'll be grand, then I do think there That's will be Sinn Féin accent. Don't worry, where's Sinn Féin, it's grand. <laughs> I'm speaking my normal accent. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm getting into the case. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it's Paul Murphy here. Okay, cool. <laughs> so it shouldn't be grand for most of you, you'll be employed like. You know what I mean? You have a decent job. Paul Murphy right? Yeah. Yeah. There'll be free healthcare. And- <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the one thing, just going back, maybe, maybe it's a controversial thing, I don't know. It's, I think that it's working for them. 
in a sense. Like Sinn Féin managed to speak mm-hmm. out of both sides of the managed to say now. both things and like, or take COVID. They basically oh. adopted a COVID policy of say nothing, <laughs> um, yeah. say nothing big and just like let the government hang themselves. And yeah. obviously like that's, from you'd criticise that, like that they, they weren't ahead of it, they weren't calling, they never supported zero COVID. Um, they didn't call Until, the government. At one stage they half supported it when yeah. they had like <laughs> when it was, huge support yeah. in the population. Like yeah. But they, and they, they didn't call the government out on like yeah. in advance on any of the big mistakes that they made. So you, but, but in terms of the polls, grand like they're, they're doing well they're, they're getting away with it you know and I think that there's like I I, I think we'd be caught ourselves if we thought that like they'll get caught out pre-election I think that this could be electorally a decent strategy for them the problem is that it doesn't work after election you know if you have a government if you're leading a government you you, you don't have to pick a side like you know what I mean you can either then like satisfy the lads in the K-Club and screw over uh, uh, your, your working class voters or you can stay on the side of working class people and you can take on the big polluters the big businesses and like the reality is if you haven't prepared the ground for that kind of class struggle from below, that kind of taking on the rich, then you're going to end up uh, uh, giving in. Like, no? Well, I think like, like on that, like, so have the, like has like the ordinary person through COVID being like, well, look, there actually is stuff that you can do. Like, so, like, so, so COVID has seen loads of emergency measures brought in that everybody said it was impossible to do. Like the eviction bans, the freeze on rents. Didn't they make Waterford communist at one stage? They, Took the, <laughs> like they did it. They, they like they in theory took like the private hospitals into public ownership for a while. Though like it was just like yeah. real like enriching contract for the private hospitals. So like people have seen well like we're making the point. Look, this shows that it can be done. And Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael are saying that it can't. But then like if Sinn Féin are in government, like and people are getting evicted, are people not going to be like, you do have the power to stop it? Like and Sinn Féin will be caught then in between like the balance of like different class forces, like who do you represent, and like you can get away with like. Like, 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 I don't think it's necessary that, like, safety went in with, like, Fianna Fáil. Mm. That, like, for a whole period, they could kind of give to both sides, do something here, do something there, and be seen to, um, like, be, like, sorting out everyone. But, like, the fundamental contradiction will come at the end, and, like, they'll be picked, they'll be, cho- like, mm-hmm. they'll face the kind of Labour Party problem where you have to, like, Which you can say, you like, Frankfurt's way or Labour's way, and you can have, like, some... Sinn Féin form of that slogan I can't think of something right now um, but uh, like they'll eventually have to pick a side like and mm-hmm. if they're in with Fianna Fáil or if they're in they're not prepared to do a struggle like then yeah and you'd, you'd think that like maybe they, well I'm fairly certain that it's true it sounds a bit conspiratorial but like I'm fairly certain that like at the upper echelons of Sinn Féin they definitely want to go in with Fianna Fáil. They don't want to go in with the left. They don't want the, right. a left government. Because, like, if they're in with Fianna Fáil, at least they can try to, like, say, oh, well, we'd love to do that more radical oh, thing. 100%. But, but Fianna Fáil won't let us. Yeah. Uh, yes, um, yes, of course. And that's the thing. That's why they, like, right now, they like this sound and say, oh, well, of course, if we can, we'd like a left government. But they still leave the option open there. But in reality, I think that's, like, playing politics, playing clever. And they leave that option open. But in reality, that's what that's their number one yeah. preference. You know? And even from their own point of view of, like, stability, Let's say you had a Sinn Féin minority government dependent on the votes of people before profit from the outside. We say to Sinn Féin, yeah, okay, if you're going to bring in rent controls, we'll vote for that. If you're going to have a budget that puts money in the pockets of ordinary people, increases corporation tax, we'll vote for that. But if you do anything against the interests of working class people, we're not going to vote for that. I mean, they're just... (laughs) 
They're not, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not going to be happy with that. They want to prove themselves as stable mm-hmm. runners of Irish uh, capitalism. And um, so that is kind of their nightmare scenario, yeah. to be honest, you know. But obviously that is actually, and that's the contradiction, is that's what the base of Sinn Féin wants. Yeah, yeah. The preferred option of most people who vote for Sinn Féin is a left Sinn Féin and left government. And that's in, in repeated polls. Mm-hmm. And that's what you hear. I mean, so many people vote for people for profit. It's kind of, people will vote Sinn Féin and then vote people for profit. And it's all kind of the one. People kind of think, oh yeah, it's all like, the left or the radicals or anti-establishment or or whatever. That's people's, that's a, quite a lot of people's perception at this stage. They don't see the nuanced differences inevitably, like if there's not loads of struggle happening, which there isn't at the moment. It just ends. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> ten so years we're all of, ten, ten, ten years of COVID stomping on people's hopes yeah. for shit. Happy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's that do you know that meme that like I warned you I did I warned you <laughs> uh, uh, actually one thing that I just, I'm going to jam in here is a, a Connolly quote that I always like uh, uh, for, the, for that notion that Sinn Féin like to pretend that they're representing both we can represent both the 99% and the 1% we're for Ireland all of Ireland you know is that uh, Connolly Connolly says that when questions of class interests are eliminated from public debate a victory is thereby gained for the possessing conservative class or whose only hope of security lies in such elimination so but that, that's why I think like we need to Sinn Féin like to talk of like a change government a government of change or whatever and I think it's important that we say no what we need is a left government and a, a left government committed to socialist change and um, one that's actually like and put that up to them are you going to rule out Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, uh, coalition with them because uh, uh, I, I think that there is like everybody well not everybody I'm sure there's some person voting Sinn Féin that wants a, them to go in with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael but, oh, like, them, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the vast majority like their voters want that kind of that, that's what when they're voting for Sinn Féin and they're voting for change they want the left woman they don't want they, want, they don't want Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael to go back in but, but trying to beat that drum and put it up to them that why won't you rule that out you know yeah but I mean like if you look at the opinion poll this week like like this is probably like we spoke like previously we would have talked about 2011 and 2016 general elections being like the dip of the establishment parties. But I think the opinion poll this week is probably the lowest combined that the two of them have been like 40 now. 40, yeah. 40%. Like 42 is the lowest, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so like this is 45 in the last election. Yeah. So, yeah. so like this is like the downward trend of the, yep. the center and like, like, at, like a, a few months ago it did look like that like it was going to be Fianna Fáil who took the brunt and Fine Gael kind of like swept up that right wing vote but like now the two of them are like down down quite low and like with Varadkar like Var- Varadkar's had like I, I just think like his whole running commentary he gave on everything during the whole pandemic like just like undermined public health the whole whole time um, and now we, there's this thing with the guards still to come like so if that comes out like that's like mm-hmm. is like, that You'd still have to running. The it's still going. There's, it. Yeah, there's still an yeah. investigation. If that comes out, like in Fine Gael, like I thought, the, I thought they didn't. He didn't. He doesn't have the pull of Boris Johnson of getting them to just refuse to investigate his yeah. his uh, crimes. We don't, we, don't, we don't investigate past crimes. That might not that used to confuse me. Remember, like, we the social media produced like a minor, minority housing report. We used to anyway. We used to go and call the minority report. <laughs> <laughs> Come up with a different name. <laughs> Although we do want to predict the future need for housing and build the houses now. So that's a, a minority report on housing. Uh, um, what else? 2022. What else does it have in store for us? Hopefully 
uh, uh, some class action movements, strikes, yeah, return stuff to like activism. That. Hopefully, mm-hmm. a bit of bit of out on the streets doing some things, get a bit of energy behind movements and stuff like that. Big housing protest. Hopefully, mm. that's what we need. Is yes. desperately what we need. Like, so we need to try and get the unions and Sinn Fein and others community groups together to have a big protest about housing. I mean, it's just. It's what's needed, you know, and I think a lot of people, I think with the right energy behind it, I think there are people and at the right moment in terms of the pandemic, I think there are a lot of people who would come out for something like that. Yeah. Any other, what are the other big issues that could come onto the agenda next year? I think the, the climate movement is surely back in the streets again. So it's just about in what, what form and how we shape it. I think it was the COP march that we had as the first major protest that we've had in months and months. Like there's, there will be a follow up to that. And I think there's an energy for it. I think you've seen it from the stage and you, you heard it from all around the country and the world. The uh, flavoring of those marches, there definitely is a, a shift to left in terms of rhetoric and actual concrete policy. So I think there's big opportunities there for us to shape that and for the left as a whole to do quite well out of the climate movement. So hopefully a new phase of that um, that does take in communities and workers. And and what about, like we've had interviews and debates on the podcast before about like, will there be a return to austerity, to neoliberalism? Um, do you think, we did, like they were warming up to, with a bit with the cuts in the pup and stuff like that, but what do you think is on the cards in terms of austerity in 2022? I mean, I think it's interesting because they've tried to go after the PUP and they have to cut it back significantly. Mm -hmm. But then it's interesting when the pandemic came back, they were forced to concede. I mean, in a meager, miserly way, whereby, okay, you can get 350, but only if you become unemployed because of COVID restrictions after this date, before this date, you can be on 203 euros, completely inequitable and so on. But it does show the pressure that they're under. Like it is, it is difficult for them to claw things back fully because you kind of establish a floor that it's a basic norm of decency to have 350 euros so it's a struggle for them to take it back each time and it, it does seem I don't know if you saw the Independent today I think had this story about Fine Gael planning 600 million of tax cuts for the middle class for uh, um, a year for yeah. the next couple of years or whatever uh, it does seem like because of their dwindling support obviously that's not Going to, but that, that they, you can be cutting taxes for the well to do while also uh, imposing new taxes on ordinary people and cutting services for 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 for, for populism. Uh, people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, terrible but, populism. But it does seem like they're because they're doing so poorly and they're up against the wall a bit that they're 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 trying to mm-hmm. throw money at people a little bit. Or yeah, well, it's like even this. Um, what are they giving us? A hundred euros off our electricity bills? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's the answer. Together with going demand wage increases, that's the answer. It's like remember the hundred euro water bill. I thought it was the heating bill. No, it's electricity. It's electricity because everyone uses different sorts of heating, so that'd be a messy kind of scheme. Ah. But the problem is, but and it's funny because Sinn Fein had to say, "Oh yeah, we welcome this, but it's too late." Because Sinn Fein was Sinn Fein were calling for these kind of things, like, and it's just like, well, no. Like, yeah, I mean, fine, whatever, 100 euros is better than nothing for people. It's, it's very little and it's very late. But the basic point is that you're allowing, you're just putting money in the pockets of private companies in reality, mm-hmm. whereas we should have price controls. Yeah, yeah. 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 don't have the price yeah. up in the first place. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, well, what's to stop them just jacking like? up the price again? Exactly. I know everybody's going to get an extra 100 we'll, we'll euro. euro like, pop it up yeah. again, like, you know. It kind of reminds me of the issue with, like, putting the public funding into, like, medical research uh-huh. and then through drug schemes, you're just paying for the drugs that you've already paid for the research for, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like that yeah. ridiculous yeah, like the whole cycle of just like funding it. Yeah. Like, yeah. The more you pay for it, the less you own it. Neoliberalism, yeah. it's all private market, everything, but then it turns out we just pay for it yeah, multiple times. Yeah, we fund the entire like, fucking thing. Like, yeah. yeah. And uh, 2022, do you think 
will Donnelly make it to the end of the year? Who who'll be the first minister to go? <sighs> yeah, I think he's the bookie's favourite, isn't he? Yeah. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the trampoline's favourite yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he's got one foot on the trampoline already. Yeah? <laughs> one foot on the trampoline already. <laughs> he go bouncing out of government. Well, I think <laughs> Simon Harris, right? So Simon Harris. Really? Everybody fucking loves Simon Harris. Yeah, no, well, he's he's really popular, but now he's gone very You talk to normal people and you're like, you're a sensible person. And they say, oh, I really like Simon Harris. Like, oh, no. Apparently, do you know what? There was this thing about who leaks the. Yeah, and apparently, like, for Ragnar, like, Apparently. hasn't spoke to him all this type of stuff there's a falling out because he was like you know like he was like not ratting them out he was uh, ratting them out like he thinks stitches get stitches no, like, <laughs> he, he leaked a couple of things apparently and was brought up in the doll and then he was like you know what I'll, I'll sue you for saying that was of, so, uh, of, tre- yeah. of complaints that never appeared and he like, never yeah. did that and then yeah. Veraka apparently like has frozen them out but now he's like put him on some election committee so that he'll take all the blame uh, okay. um, when they do crap that was um, the one where they found out he leaked it because they made up a story yeah. and they oh, only a poem, told him. A poem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it that he they supposedly made, leaked? There's a poem uh, appointment. The fact that the poem yeah. was getting oh, this fancy okay, job. Okay, okay. So he kicked that all. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. But what he was doing, he, he'd be like close to the poem. So I think he was doing it as a like, oh, my, the poem's uh-huh. so great, blah, blah, blah. But then it was like, oh, and then and then the whole Marion Gate thing emerged and uh-huh. so the whole thing. Yeah. Well, was but, it? They but, found this out. They found out that he was the leak because. And it's just like that they're doing this is mad. That they told, they made up a story. They told only Simon Harris this story. And then, at, at like at five minutes later, they got a call from a journalist about this story. Yeah. Do you think they took uh, advice from Colleen Rooney? Do you remember yeah, she did that? Just all big allegedly overall. That allegedly. Way, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just a satire. This isn't true. <laughs> I don't um, think Simon Harris or anyone is associated with him is going to listen to he the podcast. He's a big listener to the podcast. Yeah. He's, he's actually a support on Shout out to Simon. Yeah. <laughs> all our listeners come from his Instagram. Me and my mates listen to um, anything else 2022 what else is going to happen if, if Radker if Radker is going to swap from or Martin's going to swap oh, from Radker at the end of the year yeah. is, it? When is, is that already I think it's like September or Christmas something day, yeah. I don't know when it is it's so, the end of the year I think isn't it I'm not sure who he has who it cares. in his diary though you can yeah. be sure he has the date circled mm-hmm. will he make it to the end will, will it be Radker Will it be for Riker? Unless he's charged. Uh, yeah. He's charged, he'd love to go. But will you know, Charlie Harris make it through 2022? Oh, shit. Uh, Should I buy Bitcoin? Any other? <laughs> <laughs> I have some Ethereum that's doing pretty lucky. <laughs> Look, you should start selling a Christmas jumpers considering it's the 11th of December. It's a bit early, and there you are with your big Rudolph jumper. Uh, this is my second time wearing this jumper. Yeah, this is Christmas jumper. Christmas. I've noticed this previously. Like, yeah, yeah. He's a big fan of Christmas jumpers. I like your Christmas jumpers. This is a Christmas recording of a podcast, and your downer uh, spirit will not be allowed. That's the last time we've heard of Dave Murphy on the whoop right? Don't hear him in this recording at all. Like, nothing doesn't make any sense. There's only a four panelists in the end. Sorry. All right. Well, maybe as we wrap it up, any final over the Christmas break? What will you be? What will you be reading or watching, or what would you recommend for other people to read, watch, or I suppose any. Uh, gift recommendations or anything like that that we should plug I'll plug one minute before someone else plugs it is uh, Brian O'Boyle and Kieran Allen's new book called Tax Haven Ireland 
which I have a copy of and I'm looking forward to reading. And Brian spoke at our local PVP branch meeting um, recently about it. And it sounds really interesting. Basically, it's a story of how Ireland developed as a tax haven and the consequences of uh, that. So people should buy that. All good bookshop. Is it available here in Connolly Books? It is. We're told reliably really? available in Connolly Books. Plug in the best. two things. Not just, <laughs> not just dead Trotskyists here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything, what are you looking for? Anything more uh, in uh, like relaxing that you're looking forward to, or is, is reading about Ireland's tax havens that is your uh, idea of a, in the bath? Just reading. No, I mean, reading about Ireland's tax haven. <laughs> reading about the debates in the Communist International in the early 1920s. Basically, during that Christmas period. <laughs> <laughs> you would be a Radcar, you're yeah. both doing that. Um, uh, Dave, any anything you're you're you'd be plugging or you'd be no, looking forward no, to reading or watching or? Well, we had this conversation on the car on the way in, so I'll be um, I'll be, well, I'll be watching a lot of horse racing from the 26th of December. I'll be reading two books on Alexander the Great, and then I'll. Why? What? Why? What do you Why? people do in your spare time? Like, does no one just like throw on Netflix or anything? <laughs> <laughs> one book on Alexander the Great sounds all right. I can, but two is like yeah, you, yeah, you've yeah. clearly like made a decision. This is I've got to, to read about Alexander. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Learning <laughs> the lessons of history to apply is he, today. Is he, <laughs> is he the guy that had the elephants over the? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, yeah. So That's like, going to be our new took plan. Out. How we're going to take on for the fall for the yeah, game. March elephants group, group of lads yeah. got together and they like <laughs> they, they, they went and like they were like oh they, they thought it'd be like a two year campaign or whatever they were going to take over this land and then they ended up going for ten years like you know right. I look forward to the ten part podcast series um, and he when, when he died then there was a big battle over his body because back in the day you had to have like you know like having the body of the dead person was like a sign that you took them over so like, it's just like his body was being carried around for like five years or something like Jesus fantastic <laughs> it sounds very Christmassy Dave Christmas. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> any, any, anything for yourself Nicole um, someone very kindly bought me the autobiography of Asata I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but Asata Shakur. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that. Um, that. I believe it's a real page turner. Um, so I haven't read the book yet. Okay. <laughs> so maybe we'll do that conversation <laughs> in the new year. <laughs> and then just in terms of you're talking about gifting things. So um, I just, I think everybody loves a good plant, first of all. Always a good present, decorating people's houses. And if there's a couple of plants on the podcast as well, you know, CIA plants. <laughs> um, just homemade things. Uh, I have a, a, a group of friends and we make each other something. Dave, Dave, Dave is a poet. I don't want any crap you make. Don't worry, Dave. I want to fucking get you a Christmas present anyway. Yeah, come here. Give me a Give me a link. 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 Give it also allows you to discover your creative side uh-huh. and not feed into the capitalist culture in the same way as well you know so I think that people appreciate a nice homemade gift I, I wonder if people do <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I did a couple of years back what did you make them though like, ch- ch- yeah, like made chutney and, and uh, Christmas cookies and stuff like that that sounds lovely yeah maybe I think they were nice I don't know if it ticks the box of oh that was a Christmas present that I gave you as opposed to I think it feels that was almost supposed like, to be your yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas present there like, as opposed to like oh I made extra of this here's some you know what I mean like bringing in spare leftovers doesn't count as a Christmas present does it sorry Kelly no, no you have to present it nice so it yeah, looks yeah. like a gift that's the trick yeah. put it in a little box and be like oh I made this especially 
for you. Make it a big deal. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Do it. Save a few. Do it, Dave. Yeah. Make your, your, your famous eggs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's, that, I, I was present when Dave Murphy ate his first egg in uh, 2012. I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was 33 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I ate an egg for the first time. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And not because of veganism, by the way, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> just about that point. <laughs> no, it's just when I was, when I was small, like, if I didn't like something, my man didn't make me eat it. So, like, just I decided I didn't like stuff and then I've lived my whole life not eating loads of stuff. You know, I'm not a dissimilar character. I wouldn't eat an onion or a mushroom. Jesus. The texture. You've eaten loads of I onions. I mean, definitely. Yeah. They're in things. It's oh, the texture. Okay. If I can pick out the texture okay. in it, I'm uh, not happy. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I think I can get that. They're a bit mm-hmm. slimy. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. are. Both slimy. Uh, and Connor, any anything you're looking forward to reading or watching? Or? Uh, definitely Brian's book, yeah. Uh, I don't know, I'll probably veg out Netflix, like Nicole said. I'm not as uh, uh-huh. highfalutin as the rest of you. Read your dinner, what will you be watching on, on Netflix? Uh, probably a mix of things. I actually got into Shameless USA recently, quite like that. Oh, yeah. So I'll veg out in front of that. Um, and yeah. Uh, Bo Burnham's Insight is on yes. Netflix. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to see about that one. Have to see Just about that one. Just watch 15 minutes. Just, no, don't watch 15 minutes. Watch yeah. the whole thing. I mean, did any of you get anything real embarrassing on your Spotify unwrapped or wrap whatever it is you're oh, in the year uh, thing my biggest <laughs> listen to artist is Taylor Swift by far by <laughs> far I'm not embarrassed about it though I'm happy to admit it I, I think we a, did say. Top five percent of listeners, guys. That's I think we did say. If, you us, <laughs> if anybody does their Spotify wrapped uh-huh. and they can sense, uh, tweet us a screenshot uh-huh. of uh, Rupture Radio as being one of their, uh, their yeah. top podcasts that they listen to, uh, uh, we will post you out a sticker. I or, think oh, no, I said that, that, and then Dermot said that he wasn't going to be able to physically do it. But I've said it now on the podcast, <laughs> so I will do it if needs be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I you may be the, waiting a while for your sticker, but it will come. Top zero point one percent of listeners to. Uh, people know the Libertines? Yeah. Yes. No, not, not them, not them. <laughs> 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 Do you know Carl from the Libertines? One of his other bands, uh, Dirty Pretty Things, from like maybe 10 years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want... Why do they even know your name? Well, I, I, I want the, the, the Rupture Twitter account to like... Twi- Do we have a blue tick? No. Paul no. has a blue tick. Well, tweet Carl from the Libertines and tell him I want free tickets to the next Libertines gig. And I'm like, you know, fanboy. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing people should get, by the way, is the new issue of Rupture, which is shipping on, I think, the 20th of December. Something just like in that. time for Christmas. Yeah, so just in time for Christmas. And you get yourself a subscription. Could be a great um, gift and also. It's, it's, yeah. and, and yeah. like the, That's the, what everybody got as the lead of article. last year. was a subscription to Rupture. <laughs> the lead uh, article is by Nicole. Some chutney. Yeah, so it is. Nicole, yeah. It is. It's, it's like a homemade gift, like yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. That's what you're referring to. Here's your Here's two pages from you the church. Photocopy the library, please. Boy, one copy. You give people different articles. <laughs> it's like what they used to do in Russia in like uh, early 20th century. Tear up the articles, all go around no, and read them. Uh, and, you know, you copy, you're right out the articles. And you have, <laughs> you have everybody like they used to do in Russia. You have everybody sit around and you one read. And anything else, Connor, other than binging on Netflix, any other things that you're looking forward to? Uh, I'll probably read a bit more as well. So uh, I got a book recently, Inflamed, by uh, a doctor called Rupa Maria. So uh, I'll be reading that over Christmas. Looking forward to that. That's all about kind of deep medicine, justice and pharma and all the rest as well. So uh, right up my street, be reading that. 
Cool. You're not very serious. I'm just going to watch Harry Potter films. If you're listening, Bo, uh, we'll <laughs> uh, uh, okay, we'll, we'll we'll leave it there. Thanks a million to everybody for, for joining. Thanks again, in particular, to our Patreon supporters uh, who make this possible. If you're not already a supporter of Patreon, please do consider. It's only two fifty a month, and uh, um, you can count it as a Christmas present for yourself um, uh, uh, um, and thanks uh, uh, to Paul, Dave, Nicole and in particular to Connor for joining us as well as Tiernan on sound um, and we'll see you in the new year and thanks oh. to you too Kean for Thank being here yeah. yeah. we'll, we'll be back shopper. next week with a special episode interview um, uh, on the situation in America uh, um, and then we'll be back in the new year with a panel so have a good Christmas and uh, see you all in 2022 bye happy Christmas see you CEO entrepreneur born in nineteen sixty four Jeffrey Jeffrey Bezos CEO entrepreneur born in nineteen sixty four Jeffrey Jeffrey Bezos Come on Jeffrey you can do it pave the way put your back into it tell us why show us how where you came from, look at you now Zuckerberg and Gates and Buffett Amateurs can fucking suck it Fuck their wives, drink their blood Come on, Jeff!